so I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group they're rather stupid. That men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Dinosaurs eat men. Woman inherits the earth. Safety lights are for dudes. Safety lights are for dudes. <laughs> well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. Hands in the air, Kristen. Yeah. Lord, please give it up for the dazzling vocal stylings of Miss Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 100 of Citizen Dame. We are so excited. This is a very special episode. I am Karen Peterson. With me, as always, is Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. And for this 100th episode, we've got the gang back together, you guys. We have Kristen Lopez. Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. We're all together. This is really exciting. It's been so long. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, Kim, how are you guys doing? I'm gonna let Kim go first. Oh, sweet! <laughs> I am doing doing good. It's the holidays, you know. Tr- attempting to stay out of trouble, trying to get everything done, and usually failing at it. Um, <laughs> reviewing my little heart out and trying to trying to get those videos going. The had a few more, you know, screenwriting ideas pop up, so I'm spreading myself a little thin. But it's that's life, right? Oh God, I love that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> It's really exciting to see how much you've been doing, Kim, and your videos are awesome. I really love that. Oh, Mm -hmm. good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes, I actually have been watching that. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Kristen, how are you? Just ready for this year to be over. (laughs) Yeah. 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 2019's been a rough one. It has. It has been a year. Um, So, yeah, I'm just counting down the days and hoping the world doesn't implode as soon as the first happens um so yeah just working a lot trying to to keep the hustle going well we're glad to have both of you back lauren how are you it's the fun of being a freelancer uh i'm i'm good i'm good other than the fact that you know i had an emotional breakdown after the um the british election a couple days ago and i was having to talk to some of my british friends and be like guys we went through this you'll be okay i promise yeah uh, but yeah but other than that i'm doing good i'm watching movies i've seen a lot of films in the past week it seems uh mostly because i'm trying to get everything um on my amc pass so that i'm actually paying for it <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah i know i used mine the other day and i was like when's the last time i used this i think i've paid for a couple months that i didn't use but that's okay it all equals out in my head so. try try to see at least two films a month and then uh, uh yeah. on it and then and then you've paid for it or more than paid for it really at least in new york and i'm assuming in la so oh definitely yeah a matinee here is like 14 bucks so yeah yeah same mm-hmm. yeah all right. Well, we've got lots of stuff to to talk about today. Um, one of the things that it's actually kind of funny we can tie these together. So one of the things that came out this week, and uh, we it felt appropriate for us to address this on our 100th episode when everybody's all back together, 
and that is the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife hit the internet and um, men suck. <laughs> Basically. Uh, we have Lauren, often why don't you discuss. talk a little bit? <laughs> yes, exactly. Why don't you talk a little bit about the trailer and your impressions and the fights that you got in on Twitter because of it? <laughs> Well, okay, so yes, the Ghostbusters, uh, what is it called? It's Afterlife, right? I keep on wanting to call it Answer the Call, and I'm just like, no, that's the good one. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So Ghostbusters Afterlife, which basically looks like Stranger Things 3. I don't know, like, what else they're doing. In fact, one of the kids from Stranger Things is in it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people commented on how it was, it, it looks very kind of, stern and dark almost that it's very like portentous as as these kids uncover you know the the ecto-1 and the the uh, proton packs and the jumpsuits and everything it's just like okay but like what they're they're finding a broken down old car in their grandfather's garage like this is this really all that exciting guys you know it seems like it's more important for the people who were kids in the 1980s and saw this and saw Ghostbusters and it really meant something to them versus the kids now who are like, who the fuck are the Ghostbusters? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just, it just seems like a major nostalgic throwback to, you know, how important Ghostbusters was. And, it, and I'll, the trailer at least, and, you know, we'll have to wait and see. The trailers don't always represent the film very well. We'll have to wait and see what the film actually looks like. But the trailers at least make it, seem like it's just this nostalgic memory of how wonderful Ghostbusters was. And it kind of ignores the fact that it's a fucking movie about ghost exterminators in New York City. It stars SNL alums. You know, it was written by Dan Aykroyd. It's got a goddamn marshmallow man who tries to destroy New York City at the end of the movie. Like, that's silly. It's a silly film. And it was always a silly film. And the second film is even sillier. So, of course, this... This created, uh, you know, all all of the obnoxious fanboys, all of the worst of the internet basically came out again. And as soon as I began talking about it, I got more nasty people, men, coming into my my mentions, telling me to shut up, calling me names. Like it it's it was an exciting three days, definitely on my Twitter feed. Um, to the degree that I was that I was just blocking people as soon as they responded to me because it it's exhausting. It's exhausting when you say this was a thing that means something to me and I really liked the the film with the women and immediately you get like fifty trolls shouting at you to shut the fuck up. That's really fucking exhausting. So yeah, men men really do need to chill the fuck out. This is not that important when it really comes down to it. It's not that important that I like Ghostbusters answer the call. And it's not that important that you like the trailer to afterlife. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kim, did you see the trailer? Did you have any thoughts about it? I, I have seen the trailer and I, I mean, I've always been prop. I think I'm the, one of the more, I've always enjoyed the original, but looking at that trailer, God, it's like nostalgia threw up all over it. That. It is so clear. Everything about that is, look, see, guys, we got a, someone with Reitman in their name back. You know, we we don't know how, at least I haven't read 
that you know that Bill Murray quote how much Bill Murray we're going to have in this how much of Dan Aykroyd we're going to have in this for a movie that I completely agree with Lauren looks exactly like Stranger Things to the point of I think I still think film Wolfhard is one of the few boys of that age who can get meetings in Hollywood I there was nothing I found overly interesting about that you you have the entire thing looked like, you know, wanting to be a millennial take on, oh, look, see, the 80s were crazy, but oh, my God, go, you know, you kids of the 80s and 90s, look, see, this is what you loved. And as somebody who grew up with that movie, who likes it and who still watches it, it didn't really hit those notes for me. I can more see them wanting to hit those notes. It felt like they were trying to play me to get me to feel nostalgic when it really wasn't working. Um, it's just, I not expecting overly that much about it. I'm interested to see how they kind of integrate everybody. Cause I know Sigourney Weaver is in the IMDB list for it too. And Ernie Hudson, but I'm half a part of me is just expecting these to be quick cameos. You know, them just trying to mine the nostalgia for it rather than creating something interesting. Like they did, like Feig did with the to what? 2016. Yeah. Kristen. Uh, yeah. I just, I just saw it for the first time yesterday because I didn't actually care enough to watch it beforehand. Um, so I saw it on a, a, tra- a big screen in a movie theater. And as somebody who already hates the original, like I saw it when I was way older and I didn't get what the hullabaloo was about. So I feel the exact same way. I don't get what the hullabaloo of this is. I don't watch Stranger Things either. So this is literally not made for me at all. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm so sick of looking at Finn Wolfhard's dumb face, which I'm sure the trolls now are going to come for me. Um, I'm just sick of looking at him because he seems like he's in everything. Um, I love McKenna Grace, but I literally thought they got Finn Wolfhard's little brother because I thought she was a boy. So it feels like we're trying just really hard to say, like, a girl's leading, but we hope you don't notice that because we're going to make I, her as unfeminine as possible. I'm I'm going to be really, that was a girl? I didn't even realize that was me. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> no offense Poor to McKenna. She is adorable, but this movie is not utilizing her adorableness at all. It wants to just make her look like little mini Harold Ramis, which... I mean, that's who she's the granddaughter of, right? Like, that's what I thought we were going for. That's who we assume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that's the assumption. So I was like, okay, so it's Super 8 meets Ghostbusters, neither of which is a movie that I'm into. So, yeah, I, I mean, the fanboys got what they wanted, you know, so they should have absolutely no complaints with this movie at all and when they do complain then i'm going to jump into their mentions and be like but see but see this is what you wanted we gave you exactly what you wanted and you're still not happy well obviously you guys don't have anything that brings you joy and you should all just go play in traffic (laughs) (laughs) yeah y'all should just should just shut up well there's so much toxicity that's associated with this fandom now i think that that's one that's one of the things that kind of got to me uh after just seeing the trailer and then kind of the aftermath of that was that you realize like and I'm so mad I I said this on Twitter and I'll say it again now I'm mad about the way that 
Ghostbusters, that Ghostbusters 2016 was treated. I'm, I'm mad because when you really go back to it, you're like, this is a fun, silly movie. Like, is it a masterpiece of cinema? No, but neither was the first one for fuck's sake. Like this, this is just, this is fun. This is supposed to be fun. And it does something unique and interesting as a riff on the original without repeating the original. And I like that. And that's what I always want to see in reboots. So, you know, there's no point to me in doing a reboot if you're just going to try to mine the nostalgia of it. You have to do something different with it. And that's what that's what the, the 2016 Ghostbusters did. But now it's reached this point where everybody is choosing upsides. I had a number of people actually say to me that um, I was being toxic. Uh, because I was saying that I was still mad about this. I was like, well, first of all, this is my personal feeling. Like, there are plenty of people that aren't still mad about this, right? And second of all, do you remember the shit that went down? Do you remember Leslie Jones being harassed off of Twitter with racist comments? Do you remember, like, female fans being told to go fuck themselves, being told that they hope, you know, that male fans hope that they died, that they hope they got raped and stuff like that because of a goddamn movie. So, yeah, we have a right to be mad about this and to continue to be mad about it. And there is that sense of like, oh, the fanboys now got what they wanted. They yelled and they screamed and they whined and they stamped their little feet and they finally got the thing that they wanted all along. And now whether or not it's successful, you know, who knows? I want these kids to be successful. I don't want to, like, wish ill on them or anything else. But I also don't, like, there's nothing in this film that makes me go, like, oh, this is going to be fun or this is going to be interesting. This just looks like, you know, don't you remember how awesome Ghostbusters was, you guys? And I'm sorry, the vast majority of, you know, 12-year-olds in this country? No, they don't because it's been years. The first film was made in 1984, for fuck's sake. Like, seriously, even when I was a kid, I wasn't alive when the first Ghostbusters was made. When I was a kid, I used to think that the Marshmallow Man and the Statue of Liberty from the second film actually wound up fighting. Like, that, that is my memory of those <laughs> films, right? And then, of course, I got older, and I, I love them. But, you know, the, the idea, this is really only appealing to a very small cadre of very whiny fanboys when you come right down to it. This movie is made for Paul, Paul yeah. Rudd clones, essentially. Yeah. This is going to be marketed to men of what? I would say between, what, 45 and probably 35? Yeah. Who And this sucker is going to be packed full of probably Gen Z jokes. You you kids who can't remember the 80s, you didn't know. It's, it's completely hearkening back to nostalgia. But touching on the toxicity, it's like there is nothing that can ruin a man's childhood clearly than girls playing with their toys. Mm-hmm. Start. We've seen we've seen it with Ghostbusters. We've seen it with Star Wars. We've seen it with Doctor Who. There's the fandoms keep showing themselves to be so all of these fandoms keep outing themselves as being so toxic and just so painfully chauvinistic. So, I mean, pick your word, but as soon as women start entering the picture, it's like, Oh my God, you're ruining my childhood. It's like this grow up guys grow up. Yeah. I mean, to go back to something that Lauren was talking about in the, beginning of this was you know it's i enjoy stranger things i i I don't think it's a perfect show but there are a lot of things i like about it because it does remind me of my childhood i was a child of the 80s and i saw ghostbusters in the theater when it first came out and uh you know it's something that i just have always 
I grew up with. And um, it's interesting looking at shows like Stranger Things, um, movies like um, even the Star Trek movie reboots that they did. And then this one, there's this tendency to um, just make things more serious. And I think that the reason for that is that it, it kind of makes people feel like their nostalgia has merit, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, it makes it more serious and more substantive or something. I don't know. And it's like, for me, I'm just like, why can't we just have fun with this? You know, Ghostbusters answer the call was so fun. And that was way more nostalgic for me, even though it was totally different characters, but every time it had anything that was some sort of reference to the original film, it was really fun for me because it had the same tone, the same basic, you know, feeling behind it. And so it's, I just don't understand this need to, well, it's not that I don't understand it. It's just, I don't share the need to make every nostalgic thing more serious because I think part of, part of what I enjoyed about stuff from the eighties was how not serious it was. And I like revisiting that and feeling like, oh, it was such a such a better time. It was a lot more playful and everything didn't have to just be so, you know, doom and gloom all the time. So that's that's how I feel about this. I think the movie looks well made, but Mm -hmm. it's just it's like they've forgotten in the world of the Ghostbusters, because there's a part where Paul Rudd is showing Finn Wolfhard like footage from 84 and it's supposed to be like, you know, documentary news footage or whatever. And he's talking about how the Ghostbusters were awesome. And I'm like, do you remember the original movie? They were never taken seriously. And even after they saved New York from a giant marshmallow man, five years later in 1989, they're still a joke. Peter, they went bankrupt. Peter Venkman has like a crappy talk show where he's interviewing supposed psychics. Like everything went wrong for them and they weren't taken seriously in their own universe. Why are we rewriting that history? doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. It almost feels like they're they're retconning Ghostbusters 2, which is usually one of the more hated uh, you know, I think we tend to forget that Ghostbusters as a franchise up until up until the reboot in 2016 consisted of two films, one of which is roundly despised by the fandom uh, mm-hmm. and a group of television shows and a video and right. a couple of video games. Right. But Ghostbusters 2 is hated. I mean, and I, I happen mm-hmm. to love it just because I think it's really silly. I love and enjoyable. it. Yeah. Um, I always forget and, it's a thing, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, so it, I wonder if they're just retconning. They're just being like, no, we're just going to ignore that part where the Ghostbusters were basically constantly made fun of. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, for God's sake, um, Ray and Winston wind up, you know, performing at kids' birthday parties exactly. in a scene that, I, that uh, uh, Jason Reitman actually appears in as a small child. <laughs> uh, and so it's, that's, that's the thing. The whole point of that was, and I think in some ways, maybe one, one of the reasons why it's hated is because that there, even at that point, there was this sense of like, no, we want to be the every man who is kind of validated in their awesomeness. And what Ghostbusters 2 actually did was say like, actually, you know what, they were made fun of in 1984, and they're going to be made fun of in 1989, too, you know? Yeah. It's not, because it, because 
at base, it is silly. I mean, they're hunting ghosts. They're fighting marshmallow men. They're fighting, you know, gooey ectoplasm that, you know, surges underneath New York City. The, you know, they <laughs> animate the Statue of Liberty. The, it's all very, very silly. It's not serious. And it's it can be scary, too. There are scary moments, and there's horror in, the, in both films. But the idea that this was a serious franchise in any sense, it was a kid's movie, for God's sake. It's kid's cartoon shows. You know, everybody just needs to calm the fuck down. Exactly. Well, here's something that will help us calm a little down, calm down a little. I'm talking backwards. Um, <laughs> this is a question we got from Brendan. He's at BLC Agnew. What's the best underrated joke in Ghostbusters? Answer the call. And why is it Kevin's sandwich? <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many great like little moments in in that movie that just crack me up. Does anybody have a favorite? I mean, I'll just be very general here and throw out I think Kate McKinnon is completely underrated in anything and everything and she should have gotten she should be treasured for everything she does in that film. She has so many just throwaway lines that are so funny, like that I didn't, I I don't know how many times I've even watched it now. And every time I find some new joke of hers that I never noticed before. Um, I'll, I'll throw out a couple that, and these are not my favorite, I'm sure, but I can't think of any because I haven't rewatched the movie in, in recently at least, but I love Melissa McCarthy's um, exasperation at you spell science with a Y. (laughs) I don't think you know that that's wrong. Um, I also really, really enjoy, um, oh God, uh, of course, Kristen Wiig being like, please don't be the Jaws mayor, the mayor from Jaws. (laughs) And Andy Garcia just being like, I do not associate with him. Never compare me to the Jaws mayor. Never. Uh, Lauren, oh, I mean, there. Like, I love, I love this movie. I need to actually really want to go watch it again now. Um, I know. Uh, well, one of the ones that I like going back to is where they're they're talking with the they're talking with the guy who like wants to release all of the ghosts, right? And I can't even remember his name. He's that that annoying. Uh, but they're like trying to explain like why he should not destroy the world. And at one point, she's like, "There's there's soup. There's." <laughs> And, and salad, there's salad, like, that whole thing is just so funny, just, like, all I can think of is soup. <laughs> I also love that that scene also has, when he's, because he's possessing Kevin in that, where where they say, don't hurt him, and Kate McKinnon just says, he just learned how to use the phone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh that's, that's, oh. I mean, there's some, there's some things, there's some sight gags too, like the Kevin, Kevin do that you, do you want me listen, playing saxophone or listening to saxophone? And that <laughs> image of him holding up the two pictures that he's actually listening to the saxophone, like with his ear <laughs> to the saxophone, is, is, it's just funny. I mean, it, it is, and yeah, it's totally throwaway. Like, it's not like these are deep, deep, you know, mm-hmm. sarcastic asides or anything like that, but it's just like, I mean, the, just having Chris Hemsworth there as the dumb blonde secretary is so fantastic and so funny and such a great little twist on, on you know, so many archetypes. It's really nice to see. I will throw out that one, my, my one sight gag now that Lauren's inspired me to, to think of just Chris Hemsworth is the look on his face 
when he spits the coffee back into the cup. <laughs> and then and then Aaron like drinks it and Abby's like, I can't. I can't. I, we we all know that I would do that. I'd have drank it. I'd have been like, eh, we're just gonna, just gonna do that now. <laughs> Uh, I, I also really like there's a scene and actually one of my friends who's a, a PhD student and she really identified with this like she laughed for five minutes after the scene happened. The scene where very early in the film where Erin is getting ready to teach a, a class and she's warming up and she's like teaching in the big room teaching in the big room like and she's like psyching herself up and my my friend was just like that is exactly what we do. That's what I have done that. That is something that I have done just like yeah teach it in the big room. <laughs> I love when she gets fired and she's like walking out with her box and she's like making up all these excuses to people why she has a box of her stuff. And she's like, oh, you know, I just like to take my plants out for a walk or, oh, there's there's cats in my wall. And um, <laughs> it's just so funny. She has like seven or eight different excuses. It's so funny. And then um, and then when they go over to the Aldridge mansion and Holtzman's like, ma'am, she's got the recorder. Ma'am, can you tell us where you found the world's tiniest bow tie? Uh-huh. <laughs> or like the salty parabolas. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. There's so many. <laughs> there, there really are great throwaway jokes in that movie. And uh, mm-hmm. um, there's another one that I just thought of, but now I'm blanking on it again. I'll, I may remember it later. <laughs> just randomly blurt it out. I mean, also, can we say that if that film were more appreciated by people, less people would have been surprised when Thor 3 came around and Chris Hemsworth was funny? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) everyone was so stunned with Ragnarok. And it's like, no, we knew he could handle comedy. We knew he was funny. You guys didn't because you didn't pay attention. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, so... Well, this is going to tie into where we're going because this movie is going to come up a bit. I think. Um, but Lauren actually sent this over to me this morning. Mel Brooks. We love Mel Brooks. And the reason we love Mel Brooks, well, there are many, but the reason I love him especially today is that he gave an interview uh, for USA Today. And the interviewer asked him if he has seen Jojo Rabbit. And he said, I loved it. It was a wonderful movie, perfectly plausible that the kid would be seduced by this larger-than-life character. And then the question was, did you find the depiction offensive, as some critics have? And he said, not at all. I thought it was terrific. There's always those people who walk the line strictly and those who dare to cross the line. I was one who crossed the line as far as making fun Nazi. I think I'm going to send YTT a note to tell him, good job, Will. Ah... I love that. Why the reason I it... wanted to talk about that then is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, why would a journalist even ask Mel Brooks that? It's... I mean, clearly he's mining for some kind of quote. He's looking for some kind of crazy answer that'll make, you know, headlines. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... No, of course Mel Brooks mm-hmm. would have that response. Mel Brooks is a delight, and we know the films he made. We know his style. We know he had no problem pushing the line. So it's... Yeah, I'm completely not surprised that that would be his reaction. Yeah, well, we're in a world where journalists like to ask other film, like ask filmmakers about films that had nothing to do with them baiting, too, baiting but... questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but this there's... one, I don't know. I think because, well, I was just gonna say, I think because of his history with the producers, and because so many people have used, have referenced that, and also Chaplin's Great Dictator. 
I think in this case, it kind of makes a little bit more sense to ask him about it. Um, and I don't know what the rest of the interview was like. I don't know this particular journalist and, and, you know, if they were trying to get him to say something negative or not. I'm not sure. But um, I don't know. I think in the case of Mel Brooks, it makes a little bit more sense to ask him. It would it would be weird to ask, like, Martin Scorsese, what do you think of the movie that's competing against you for the Oscars, you know? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, Although let's I bet just, he loved it, too. Let's just carry on with this whole thing of, like, we're going to ask one filmmaker about about another filmmaker who is, you know, being controversial for one reason or another. Um, no, I kind of agree with Kim in that uh, I think that there, there was a sense that it was a gotcha question, that it was like a we're trying to get, you know, if Mel Brooks hates it, then it's going to make headlines. And yeah. the fact that Mel Brooks liked it might not make headlines. However, I do have to give credit to my my roommate, um, Nathaniel Hood, who actually sent this to me and like told me. He, he came out of his room today and he was just like, I have been vindicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and because uh, we both loved the film and we were talking about how we just didn't understand some of the reactions to it, that, that it just didn't make sense. Uh, but it's it's good to see someone like Mel Brooks, who's so who's so well known and is such a well known satirist and Jewish filmmaker, et cetera, actually coming out and saying, yeah, this makes perfect sense and it's funny, and I like that and I, I respect it and I you know I want to give kudos to to Watiti about it um, because it kind of puts the lie to this whole thing. One of the arguments about Jojo Rabbit, whether or not you liked the film, one of the arguments against it has been that it like let's Nazis off the hook or something like that, which I don't understand. I don't understand that argument. I, I haven't yet read uh, an essay or a review that really catalyzed that correctly. Maybe I'm reading the wrong things or something, but, um, but it was nice to see Mel Brooks be like, no, this is exactly what, what we need. This, this makes perfect sense, you know, and this is very much in keeping, like you say, Karen, with, with uh, the films that I've made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I yeah. have absolutely no opinions on your Joe Rabbit. <laughs> All right. Well, Kar- Karen knows okay. what they are. Well, Karen, <laughs> I'm not going to be the voice of dissent, so I'm just going to sit over here well, and be like, yeah, that movie. <laughs> well, the reason that I wanted to talk about the works right then is because now we're going to go into a look back we're going to rewind the clock to january of 2019 when we were more innocent more were we (laughs) more relaxed more more well slept i guess i don't know i'm really tired this year like i'm just (laughs) weary this year 2019 (laughs) yeah yeah but but um Anyway, we're going to take a look back at our most anticipated films of 2019 and see how they went. And you know what, Kim? I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Really? None of us remember. (laughs) Yeah. Like, none of us really... It's fun because we record these anticipated lists and then we never think about them again until the end of the year when we go back and revisit it. So I didn't... I knew what my top two were. I, I definitely remembered, but there were a few that I was like, oh, that was on my list. I didn't even remember that. And I think we're all going to have some of that. Um, so we're just going to go through these and, and talk about where we went right and where we went a little bit wrong. 
And uh, yeah, this is going to be with Kristen. Do you have any memories of what was on your anticipated list? Do you want to guess some of the films that you had? Um, I I know I had Little Women. I want to say that was my you number did. one. It um, was. Yeah. So uh, I was right about that one. Um, and let's see. I'm trying to think of what else. I I think Ford v Ferrari was an honorable mention. And you I, know, I didn't actually get the honorable mentions. If it's so not it the 10, been. then it was an honorable mention. So, yeah. Okay. So, I was obviously an idiot who should have had that ranked way higher than I should have. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's it. I'm trying to go through the list. Yeah, I think I, those are the only two things I recall. Okay. Um, I know, Lauren, you already peeked at yours. Um, I, I have But did you way. have any that you went, oh. Uh, there were actually no looking through them, uh, at least the ones that I've listed. I did not list mine from uh, one to ten, so uh, I don't know which ones I actually wound up putting at the top of my list on the recording. But everything, no, everything I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Some of them are a little silly, but I think part of that was just because I was like, I need ten, I need to have ten. Um, <laughs> Uh, and also the, the <laughs> fact that certain trailers had come out um, recently and and then I was like, oh, yeah, so I'm totally into that. Uh, but like what? I had Us was one of my top okay. ones. Um, that it was chapter, number one. That was my number one. It Chapter Two, I think, was my number two. That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> Good. I did, maybe I did organize this according to... And I also had Detective <laughs> Pikachu, which was a wonderful call on my part. I'm very proud of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. Okay, Kim, do you have any guesses what were in your 10? Uh, I'm pretty sure Little Women was in there. Yeah. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think, was in there. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> that you end up making an honorable mention. Oh, was that an honorable I mention? Remember hearing Damn. That. Okay. I, I was hoping to be able to rail. Um, the Irishman, maybe? Uh, no. No. Okay. I'm I'm going to be surprised then. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, I want to say I was, I'm going to be very surprised because a lot of the stuff that was that's in my top ten, I don't recall mentioning it at all. That's funny. Well, it's interesting because a couple, I think every one of us had something that ended up getting pushed to next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I think Lauren yeah. and I both had Death on the Nile, which we argued uh, about possibly coming out this year, and it didn't. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's well, true, you both did. And The Irishman, I think, because The Irishman was supposed to come out in 2018, and then it got pushed, and so I think that there was some question about whether or not it was actually going to come out this year. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. so I have a feeling that that probably dropped it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's your, it's down lower on your list, but all right. So really quickly, Kristen's number 10 was once upon a time in Hollywood. How are you feeling about that choice, Kristen? Um, I've watched it uh, twice since, and it probably should have been an honorable mention. I've softened on it a little bit, mostly cause I've seen so many different Tate things this year mm. but it's still not at all 10 worthy <laughs> <laughs> Lauren how are you feeling about your number 10 John Wick chapter 3 damn straight that should have been higher <laughs> that was a fucking great movie yeah, that was horse foo come on <laughs> Kim your number 10 was Downton Abbey <laughs> 
That should have been so much higher. That movie gave me so much joy. I literally I can't believe that it I wasn't even it. on my list. Yeah, but you aren't a fan of the show, Chris. I, I know, but I'm still like I I actually sat through it having no prior knowledge. Like I went in the coldest of cold. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, my number ten was the Glorias, which ended up getting pushed to hopefully next year. It doesn't. It still doesn't have an actual release date, but it's directed by Julie Taymor, and it's the movie that's um, based on Gloria Steinem's memoir, My Life on the Road. Oh, and that's so it's right. Got, um, it's got different people playing Gloria Steinem. So Julianne Moore, Alicia Vikander, um, and then Janelle Monae is supposed to be in it, too. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll come out in 2020. We'll see. Um Kristen, your number nine was It Chapter Two, which also appeared on other lists. Uh, Well, it appeared, it was Lauren's number two and my number seven. That was atrocious. And I, what was I thinking back in the beginning of, I was a bright summer child that thought that that had promise. (laughs) Oh, God. I liked it. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like I liked it. I think it has a lot of problems, but I it's not I'll say this, it's not one that I'm gonna revisit. Like I will revisit the first one, but it closed things off pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. I actually liked it a lot. I liked it more than most people did. I especially um Bill Hader and James Ranson. I yeah. think the two of them were were great, not just their performances, but the way that their characters were developed. I really liked it. So, yeah, I stand by my choice. Um, And then, let's see, Lauren, your number nine was the Shaun the Sheep movie, which I I think didn't come out. Did it come out? It came out in Britain, and then it was supposed to come out here at the end of the year, and it still hasn't come out, and I think it's going to Netflix in January. I Uh, I don't care. It is definitely one of my top ten of the year. Um, I haven't even seen it, but it's a fucking (laughs) Shaun the Sheep movie, and I love Shaun the Sheep, and there's a cute little alien in it, and they're cute sheep being cute. So, yeah, whatever. I I can't wait till it's on Netflix. Like, I will watch that. I'm yes, so, sure. I, I need um, Kim, Kim, your number nine was The Personal History of David Copperfield. I still have not seen it, but I've heard good things. You know, I don't, I haven't even heard that coming through yet. So I don't even, I'd forgotten that I put that now, but now I remember my excitement at looking at it. I don't, I lost sight of it. I have, I have no idea if that's came out or if we just didn't get it in Denver because that is always feasible, but I'm still intrigued. It was like I don't know if it's had an actual. I don't have. I don't. Ugh, I can't talk. I don't know if it's had an official release. Oh, I know checking, that it screened at TIFF. Checking uh, IMDb May eighth, twenty twenty. So it got bumped. Oh, there you go. Well, it did get to some audiences this year because it played at a couple of festivals. So. Um, and speaking okay. of festivals, mine. Oh, sorry. What? No, I was gonna say oh, it's gotten it? pretty. It's gotten pretty good reviews. Yeah, it actually, I, because people got to see it early, it, it has ended up on a couple of lists, so. Must like, be nice to be able to go to those festivals. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, my number nine is a movie that Lauren and I very strongly disagree on, and that was Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which you're still wrong and, about. Uh, it's yeah. all right. It's so you wrong. are wrong. It's true. I know. Yeah. Yes, you're wrong. Yeah. I know. I'm glad to hear you admit it. <laughs> Be wrong and enjoy your wrongness. Wait, so Lauren, uh, Lauren hated it? I hated it. Oh, despised it. it. Okay, so despised I'm Team it. Lauren. I'm Team Lauren. All right. Yes. See? Well, that's, you know, that's fine. This is not a democracy, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, do you have any feelings about Velvet Buzzsaw? You know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't actually seen it yet. You don't need oh. to. You're fine. <laughs> Just look absolutely. At the... I watched it enough times for both of us. Kim. Is that is that Gillen? Is that Mr. Gillen Hall? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just, and just he's Google... very naked in it. Yeah. Just How... Google the naked photo, and that's all you really is, need. Is that <laughs> okay? I'm intrigued. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a it's a good movie. I so we have, we got two I nays and a yay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, okay. So number eight for Kristen. This actually appeared on three out of four lists, and that was Men in Black International. No, I actually wah, wah, wah. have not. I've still not seen this movie. <laughs> I didn't, didn't actually even ever watch end it? up watching it. Was it on my list, Karen? <laughs> nope, it sure no. wasn't. Oh, good. Okay. It was Kristen's number eight, Lauren's number four, and my number five. In my defense. <laughs> <laughs> in defense of all of us it's a movie with chris hemsworth and tessa thompson and emma thompson and uh liam neeson why would this not be good it was very exactly. good on paper exactly if i had known then that like this year would not include chris hemsworth in my life and it, it would include the people that it did include i would have not believed you so <laughs> go figure that one yeah. So that one we, you know, we missed the mark a little bit, but it was not our fault at all. That should have been great. Lauren, your number eight was The Irishman. That should have been higher. I mean, I, I, I really think that I, I didn't. I, I'm, I'm not certain whether I was certain if uh, it was actually going to come out this year because it had been pushed so many times. Um, that was exactly but, what you talked about when you said it was your number eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That it I'm might not, not even be a 2019 movie. Yeah, I I'm regret I didn't put it on my list. It's in. I think it's in my top five now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a great it's a great film. I'm still like talking about it and thinking about it. I watched the conversation. Uh, they have a little documentary on Netflix that's like the four the four uh, the three leads and and Scorsese talking about the film, which is just just great. Those I want to hang out with those guys. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I, I feel like anything I say about the Irishman will make me unpopular, so I'm just, again, not going to say anything. You're the dissenter um, again, Kristen. I mean, that's wow. how you are about most things, so you're wrong about everything. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Kim, your number eight was Ford v. Ferrari. You know, I am embarrassed to admit I had to miss that screen. I have a screener sitting on my desk, so it's I'm withholding all statements until I watch it. But I've heard nothing Damn. but great things. You'll so I'm stand not by holding the back placement. yet. I'm standing You'll by my stand choice. by this placement when you, yeah, you're going to like it. I, I'm sure I will. And it's literally, it's down for this weekend. I, I can tell you I've had a screener for a week. And I how many days are there in a week? Seven? Um, watched it seven times? I've watched certain parts seven times. <laughs> and they are delightful. Good to, so it's every one of them has a certain Lee Iacocca in it. They have the gloriousness <laughs> of 
Prince, John Bernthal looking like a fucking god, okay? And it is, huh, it's amazing. I'm watching that after we record. <laughs> well, my number eight was part of my discovery of like, oh, all right, fine. Army Hammer's not bad. Um, but also my, I really love Dev Patel and want him to play Batman. And that is Hotel Mumbai. Oh my God. Are you serious? That was on your list. Yeah. That was on my list. Yeah. I thought that would have Which, been on Kristen's list. Sorry. I know. Um, I, I haven't watched it since that time that Kristen and I went to a screening of it, but the intensity of it and how stressful it feels it has stuck with me. It's really well done. Um, not a movie that I love, not a movie that I, because of how difficult it is to watch, it's not one that I feel like I'm ready to emotionally to watch it again. But yeah, I, I think it turned out to actually be a good call on my part that should have been in my most anticipated. I'm sorry that it didn't do better with audiences. My so, my mom, yeah. well, we, we got a screener and my mom was like, should I watch it? And I was like, you can watch it. I won't watch it with you again because Karen will attest to the fact that at a certain point I literally looked at her and I said, I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then like, we recorded a, a car critique yeah, we did. on the way home and it was like we couldn't breathe for the entire 20 minute drive back to Kristen's house. It was just that that. Uh, that tense and that in- anxiety inducing but but fun really fact well done, Army Hammer was like super hot in it so <laughs> bonus and so was Dev Patel yeah um, he was there <laughs> speaking of Army Hammer Kristen your number seven was wounds <laughs> oh that that is a decision Um, that is a movie I have seen Twice, actually, and I watch it for all the worst reasons, because that is probably a better relationship movie than Marriage Story, and that's the Marriage Story that y'all should be watching, (laughs) not the one that we actually got. Just watch Army Hammer and Dakota Johnson scream at each other while he eats bacon with a knife and a fork. It is is awesome. The, you know, supernatural shit is terrible, but the relationship stuff is aces. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I saw that movie at Sundance, and I was like, wow, this is really, really terrible. And it's in my 10 worst of the year. <laughs> oh, so I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. I couldn't put it on a worst. It's not oh, good, but... It's really bad. They can't even they can't even make Army Hammer's eyes sparkle. Come on. Like, he's not supposed to sparkle. He's supposed to be the literal embodiment of toxic masculinity. <laughs> The man can't do anything but sparkle. If they miss that, then they miss something. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Exactly. But he's not supposed to sparkle. It's supposed to be that he's an asshole. That's part of the problem. He's an asshole who sparkles. We know that. <laughs> the sparkling is what's supposed to draw people in and make him able to get away with being an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So... Uh, Lauren, your number seven was Death on the Nile. Wah, wah. And that was also Kristen's number three. That's not a wah wah because it just hasn't come out. So yeah. don't. So it's probably. I wasn't saying because it was a bad choice. I was saying because, like, bummer, we didn't get it this year. Yeah. I can, I can tell you they filmed it 
And Army Hammer has a stupid ass looking mustache that I'm just not down for. So I'm going to say right oh, now. No. I'm excited for that. I'm going to say in 2019, that mustache was a bad choice. Cut to Karen playing audio of me saying that in 2020 when I say the mustache is the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Well, that we just bitched- became my most anticipated movie of 2020. <laughs> we we bitched about about uh, Branagh's mustache in, in, the, in the first, uh, whatever, Murder on the Orient Express. And you know what? That mustache fucked. So, you know, <laughs> I feel like that we're going to have the same feeling about Army Hammer's mustache. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to probably have a lot of press comments about it, so just stay tuned for that. I'm sure you will. <laughs> uh, Kim, your number seven was Jojo Rabbit. Much, 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 Which was much also higher. on my list, but much higher. That should have been, I mean, right now with where that is, that's still my favorite of the year. It's got some competition kind of in that best versus favorite, but that's definitely still hands down my favorite of the year, and it should have been number one. So I regret that being so low. <laughs> you should. In, Ta- in Taika Waititi, we should always I, trust. I do. In Taika Waititi, number one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my number seven was It Chapter Two. Kristen, your number six was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which didn't end up happening. Nope. Did nope. that disappear or just not come out? Yeah, like they didn't even make it. They didn't even make it. And then Nickelodeon <laughs> ended up doing their own like reboot. And I haven't watched that yet, which I probably should because it's got Raphael Casal in it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that project's like just dead or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Lauren, your number six was The Kitchen, which was also on my list Yay. and on Kim's. Yay. Yeah, I still so stand by like that damn movie. Like we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a delight. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with everybody else. I loved that movie, and I mean there there are bits of it that are a little wobbly and everything. But well, I have no, I still don't understand why people were so hateful about that it. That movie like, was done so dirty, and I don't yeah. understand why. Yeah, it's yeah. it's much better. I you know anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it, like get get the movie. See it. Get go see it. I'm yeah. Cam, I can tell you that my mom looked at me after we saw the kitchen, and that was the only time she would have done Donald Gleason. So I think <laughs> you would have been proud. <laughs> yes, because he was delightful yes. in it. Uh, what number was that for <laughs> me, by the way? Murderer. <laughs> you what? What number was that for me? Five. Five. Okay. Should have yep. been a little. And Kristen I think was wrong and didn't put it on me. her list at all. I did not. No. <laughs> yep. Uh, my number six was, uh, uh, I, I was really hopeful and optimistic and I was wrong and that was extremely, oh wait, no, we're not on number seven, right? Oh yeah. Sorry. I jumped ahead. Yeah. It chapter two was my, and I was actually, I liked it. We already talked about that. Sorry. I jumped to my number six. Um, wait, now I'm confusing myself. We are on number six. Wait. What is it, Karen? Say it. I skipped Kim's number six. That's why I got confused. I think you just need to say your number yeah, six. Yeah, you say it. No, it's no big deal. I just was getting confused about numbers. My number six was extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, which turned uh. out to be shockingly evil and vile. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be that would be on my worst of the year. 
It's really bad. Yeah. It's like somewhere like lower half for me. I don't I've seen I've seen way worse movies, but um yeah, it's it's not good. And I was really hopeful that they were gonna be um that they were going to be uh what's the word I'm looking for? Respectful, I guess, of the women in that story. And I was really surprised at how much they weren't. And and I think part of the reason that I was optimistic about it was because of the fact that the director did the Ted Bundy tapes and knew, like, this is a really bad dude. And I was like, he's never going to do anything that's going to try to make Ted Bundy look sympathetic. And I don't, I still don't think that that's what he was trying to do. But I think that he just trusted that people knew enough about how bad he was that he kind of rested on that and didn't think that he needed to develop it more. And yeah, and then he kind of forgot that this is supposed to be not from Ted Bundy's perspective partway through the movie. So, yeah. That was a bummer. That was too bad. Um, but just to back up, Kim, your number six was Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Which I still haven't seen yet to show you where I was without marketing. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. either. It's so, it's so fun. I, it's still, it's, it's on the list to get, get at some point. It's <laughs> You'll probably be able to buy it on DVD for like five ninety nine. So. I, I can imagine it's November hit me hard. That was not a great place for. Is that when that came out? See, I don't even remember. It didn't yeah. stick with me. <laughs> Something like yeah. that. I don't know. I haven't seen it either. So. Oh, it's fun, and I'm not just saying that because a cast member really is into my tweets and follows and DMs me and talks about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun it, it really really is like I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to uh it, it's it's worth it actually like I actually had such a good time with that movie good to know yeah. okay yeah I do definitely so want to see it yeah yeah um Kristen your number five was not sure Aladdin oh fuck me are you serious oh. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'm very serious, my friend. Yes. Uh, I should have put Charlie's Angels at five. You talked at length about Sexy Jafar. I know. I think that's where your mind was. Fucking robbed, okay? The man was, like, not given his due. They did him so dirty. If somebody had told me that there was going to be a year where freaking Sexy Jafar was going to fail and the villain from my past in Charlie's Angels was going to rise, I would not have believed you. Fucking Aladdin. Thanks, Guy Ritchie. You won <laughs> Not, nothing shot. worked with Jafar. He was probably one of the biggest issues with that movie, actually, for in my mind. Because they were like, we already have all our eggs in the Mina Masood basket, so we can't, like, have this guy be hot, even though people totally know that he is. Guy Ritchie, <laughs> you failed me. You let me down. <laughs> <laughs> you shared man from uncle, and this is how you repay me? <laughs> Uh, Lauren, your number five was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which also appeared on Kim's list at number two. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) I stand by that. I stand by that 100%. I I actually saw it. Yeah, I saw it last week. 
<clears throat> Finally, and uh, I I loved it. I cried, I cried five times. The woman next to me was crying. The couple next to me was crying. Everybody was crying. I was like, yeah, it it, it was it was wonderful and very moving and very and a very good antidote to some of the bullshit that has gone down in twenty sixteen or twenty God twenty sixteen yeah. twenty nineteen twenty sixteen also you know for that matter <laughs> the entire past three years we're still living was, that yeah it, yeah it was. <laughs> It was very healing and uh, and wonderful to see, and really nice also to see Mariel Heller continue to do interesting things. She um, continues and- to do interesting things, and she continues to kill it. And can we please start, goddamn, acknowledging how good she is? <laughs> you can't you can't Thank make you. movies yeah. about like you can't make movies about interesting people in interesting ways and expect to be rewarded for it. Obviously, right. At least not if you're anybody that's not a white dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Kim, your number five was The Kitchen. My number <laughs> five was Men in Black International. And that brings us to Kristen's number four was Us. Oh, which okay. was also Lauren's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen it once. And I have issues with the third act, but I probably should revisit it again. It probably won't be on my top ten, or it'll be really low, but it's still good. It's still really good. Yeah, I was... I liked it a lot. I think that it's a very imperfect film, but I, I think it's an interesting sophomore effort. Um, I think we, talk, we talked about it, I believe, when it came out. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a very good film, and I think he's got a lot of interesting shit to say. Uh, he didn't quite say it all. I agree with you about the third act. The third act is very messy, and I feel like it kind of lets the film down a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kim, did you see Us? I did. I I loved 85% of it. I got, I'm probably closest with Lauren there. It gets, it got just too messy for me in that third act. I got to the point where I'm like, okay, you had no idea how to end this, huh? Because it was, mm-hmm. for me, one of the best of the year until that lengthy kind of underground sequence. And then it completely and 100% lost me. Yeah. I think as a horror movie, it's really well done. As a social commentary, it, not as well it's not it doesn't accomplish what it's trying to as well as it could have so yeah um okay so then let's see number four lauren you had men in black international (laughs) kim your number four was shirley which i don't think happened that was the shirley jackson movie it come it premieres at sundance right yeah Oh, does it? Oh, I'm going to get yeah. a ticket. Excellent. Awesome. Okay, yeah. That's another one where I'm like, oh, that's wow. I was I was on my game. Just none of it happened last year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Sundance Film Festival. Awesome. I'm getting a ticket for it. Uh, and my number four was also Us, which is, takes us to number three. Kristen, you had Death on the Nile. We already talked about that. Lauren, your number three was Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I think this must have been because the trailer had just come out and I was like, he's got a hat. And it was so freaking cute. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? No, it is not the number three film of the year. Um, But, but 
I did enjoy the crap out of that movie. It was silly. It was kind of stupid. But it was it was Detective Pikachu. It was Pikachu. He had a little hat on, and he's got a little magnifying glass, and he waddles around, and he like investigates stuff. It was loads of fun. He was he was Baby Yoda before Baby Yoda happened, and like Baby Yoda has now risen above Detective Pikachu, but. You know, the, when the Baby Yoda movie comes out... Well, Baby then... Yoda's now the cutest thing that has ever existed. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got a hat. He's adorable. You can own that, Lauren. It can be your number three pick. <laughs> hey, I put That's it right. on number three, man. I was like, I was like, no. Detective Pikachu, because he's got the little hat, and he's got the magnet, and he waddles around, <laughs> and he investigates stuff. Like, little cute little Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, let's see. And so then, Kim, your number three was Little Women, which was also Kristen's number one. Oh, I so far I have seen it once, and honest, I think I might be the voice of dissent here. I was let down. I mean, I probably should stand by until I watch it one more time because I haven't written my review yet. But that struggled for me. I did not know I was a Little Women purist until I watched that. But there, I'm having (laughs) some definite, definite problems with it. And it didn't capture any of the magic I was hoping it would for me. I was a dissenter when they announced this movie. And then it ended up actually being not even as good as I was hoping it would be. So... Yeah, I'm with you, Kim. I but I know that Kristen feels differently. I don't know what's up with all the cynicism in the world, okay? Because <laughs> I love everything. Just because we want a cohesive story that makes sense. Thank okay, you. You don't need Thank a cohesive you, story. When you've told this story three other fucking times in other movies, you already know what the story is. So why not try something new? Get out of my room, Mom. Stop shaking your head yes. Go away. Go away. Go away. <laughs> It was brilliant, and I loved it, and I don't care what people said. And, I mean... Uh, And by brilliant, she's referring only to Timothy Chalamet. No, actually, I will tell you, this is the (laughs) first Who is actually not good in it at all. So I've watched watched all of the versions. I watched all of them before I went to see the new one. And this is the first time I've actually looked at Lori and been like, Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. What is wrong with you? Um, and that's because all the other versions have made Lori, like, for most, for a certain subsect of girls, at least, maybe me, like, there's an attractive quality there. Here, you're just kind of like, no, you deserve a smack in the mouth. And I was actually like, I loved what Greta did. I do not care. It's magical. <laughs> Justice for Friedrich, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> this is the only, and I will say, I will say to that point, this is the only movie in, in all the previous movies, the theatrical versions, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, there's a miniseries that did it, where I've been like, okay, I see it now, I get it, I get it now. Thank you for bringing me the French Oscar Isaac. Didn't know I needed it, but now it exists. <sighs> I haven't seen it, so I'm not even going to comment, except that I don't like Little Women to begin with, so it's me. I was well, like, how go. do you not tell a cohesive story when it exists in so many forms? How do you botch something that's been done five times at least? It's I just we could do a whole episode on that. Oh god. <laughs> it pains me. It pains me to say this because I was so in that camp. I was ready to have Kristen's reaction. It's like, what did what are you doing? No, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. My number three was the kitchen, which we already talked about, uh, which brings us back around to Kristen's number two was Terminator Dark Fate, which at the time was called the Untitled Terminator Reboot. And you know what? Still a great decision, because I also love that movie a lot. Considering that I didn't think I'd ever live to see a Terminator movie I enjoyed. Oh, I love that one so much. I'm with Kristen. I just think it's funny how you spent the whole year saying, like, I shouldn't look forward to this movie, but I, I do. I Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so afraid that it was going to be another McG moment. And, oh, my God. I mean, it sucks because it bombs, so we'll never get another one. At least not of this <laughs> this uh, storytelling. Oh, again. it's Terminator. They'll you know, you they'll they'll read you know they'll read. The sad it thing is, is they'll just they'll just go back to the belief that Sarah Connor is the reason it sucks. Um, and then they'll just try to put more dudes in it. So that's unfortunate. But oh my gosh, I was so happy. And uh, my friend Adam will tell you he sat with me in the first like two minutes. And if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what happens in the first two minutes. But like when they did what they did. He looked at me, and I was just like, my eyes got big, and I looked at him, and I whispered, this is fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So happy. Well, I still haven't seen it, so... It's good. It's good. I really liked it, too. I think that that it was unfairly maligned, and it was sort of cheated as... It was cheated as, like, oh, you know, another attempt to... Another attempt to reboot Terminator, but this one actually worked. And I, I do think a lot of people said that the reason why it didn't do well was because people are just tired of bad Terminator reboots because it's happened so many times that they, they were just like, oh, it's just another one. Let's move on. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Like, definitely, definitely watch it. It actually does something very interesting with um, with the whole franchise and the whole concept of it. Can we say it again? Will you women in your ovaries stop touching our childhood? (laughs) (laughs) That is the only thing I have heard people knock about that film is bringing, you know, Sarah Connor. I've heard so many men going, oh, these old, this old lady. Why did they think it would be a good idea to bring that? Uh, It hurts my soul. Exactly. But that's the whole fucking thing is that she's like, that is honestly that they make it that explicitly her complaint that she that she's like, oh, the only reason why I'm important is because of my womb. Like she basically says that and she says it a couple of times in a couple of different ways across the movie. And it's essentially saying like, yeah, this is bullshit. It is bullshit that women that the only reason why women are important is because we can reproduce like you know, oh, you're supposed to give birth to the savior of humanity, that kind of thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. and it, it does some great things with it. And the men who bitched about it are just a bunch of little whiny band boys who can just fuck right off. We don't need them anymore. <laughs> Amen. We don't. <laughs> what we do need more of is Kim's number two, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Where men are not winning. So, oh, so much joy. I cried so many times, and I, I don't regret <laughs> that pick at all. I still haven't seen it, and I really have see no excuse. You, you see it, see it, see it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, even for someone who doesn't have any connection to Mr. Rogers, I didn't grow up watching him. I loved the movie. I thought it was really good. I, and I will stand by. I've told people I think Matthew Reese is damn good in it, and it's I, I stand by my Matthew Reese pick as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number two was Jojo Rabbit, 
And the only reason that it wasn't number one will make sense in a minute. But um, yeah, that was also Kim's number seven. And it's my favorite movie of the year. I love Jojo Rabbit. I, I mean, I think that what it does and what it says about not just, I mean, it's easy to look at it and go, oh, this is just another World War II movie and, and you know, making Nazis look stupid. But it has so many, uh, uh, so many lessons and so much relevance to what's happening today and, and so all the heart. hate that we see in the world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's I mean, it starts off really funny. The first 45 minutes or so are hilarious. And then it gets it it shifts and it turns into something more serious. And and it's just so beautiful the way that it does that. And it's it's heartbreaking, but it's also just hopeful. And it's exactly the perfect movie for 2019. Yep. 100%. Um, So, Kristen, your number one was Little Women, which we already talked about. And Lauren's number one was Us, which we already talked about. And Someone's Dog is Drinking Water. And can you guys hear that, or is it just me? There's there's a trickling faucet, is what I thought it was, somewhere. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I was just like, wow, I hear something. Okay. Uh, Kim, your number one, it, it did not come out in... 2019 what was my number one and you even talked about like you already knew that it was pushed but you said that it was your number one because it should come out in 2019 and wonder, woman? wonder woman 1984 and I, I, I see i thought i replaced that at the last minute uh looking at that trailer i stand by that will be my number one pick for 2022 damn it i i am yeah. so stoked for everything about that i was watch i've watched that trailer three or four times already and everything about it worked for me, including Chris Fine in a fucking fanny pack. I am yeah. stoked. <laughs> and then Pedro Pascal in that unfortunate wig. Oh my god, I'm such an idiot. I had no idea that's I'm like, he looks so familiar. Who is yeah. oh, I gotta I gotta keep an eye on what the mistress is doing, so there a couple is people. What I there. Oh I do. I totally do. Um, but a couple people were like, does anybody remember anyone using fanny packs in the 80s? And I was like, are you kidding? I had like four of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> I remember people using them in the 90s, too. Those were yeah. fake kids. <laughs> yeah, I had one in the 90s. Mm-hmm. What'd you say, now. Kristen? They're back now. Prada sells a, yeah. like a $400 quote-unquote bum bag. It's a fanny pack. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, but okay, Kim, to be fair, you did say, well, I guess if that's not going to be in 2019, then I have a different number one. And your replacement number one was also my number one. Avengers or Star Wars? I knew Star it. Wars, the Rise of Skywalker. Okay, so well, I see it Tuesday, so we will, uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> yep. So, I, 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 regardless of how it plays out, I stand by that being my number one most anticipated film of the year so no i would agree i mean there's that franchise that every everything there the the hype the nostalgia it it, the choice makes sense and now i won't double back on that choice at all and i'm hoping against hope i uh my feelings from the last one continue through to this one and that it, it works and they bring it together with a close smoothly I'm yeah. so happy that my list was not 
my best. Like, it didn't have any of the stuff that I'd put on my best of. Maybe that's a good thing. Like, stuff that came out of nowhere. The friends we yeah. made along the way. That's what mine's, mo- <laughs> exactly. mine's mostly going to be out of the other choices. Because with the exception of JoJo, I don't think I mentioned one or two. I guess two that I've really been over the moon about. Yeah, which I think now is a good time to talk about some other movies that came out in 2019 that we liked that maybe went, you know, a little bit unseen, underseen, um, you know, not the not the Avengers or, or Rocketman or some of those, but just other movies that you wish more people had had caught on to. So, um, Lauren, let's start with you. What are a couple of, of films that you would put in that category that you really liked, but you wish more people had watched them? I, I've got a few, but um, I think The Kitchen is definitely there. I really wish that people had given that more of a chance. Uh, I feel like it got so poorly reviewed right out of the right out of the gate that a lot of people just kind of ignored it. And instead of actually going to see it and, you know, deciding for themselves, and it would have been nice to see that. Uh, some of the ones that um, I really liked were actually ones that I saw at, like, film festivals that are smaller films that are, you know, I wasn't expecting to get particularly wide releases anyways. Um, but stuff like I saw a really great horror film uh, at uh, with Fantasia Fest, um, which is The Deeper You Dig, which is a micro budget horror that's made by it was made by um, actually a family. It's the, the husband, the wife and their daughter. And that's the three characters that are in this film. And it really is one of the best horror films I've seen this year. It's It's very, it's almost a chamber piece. It's very intense. It's very compact. Um, And I found it very frightening and also quite just interesting in some of the choices that it makes. So, you know, I'm certain that it's going to, hopefully it'll get picked up by someplace like Shudder because it would actually fit really, really well there. Um, So, you know, watch for that as it begins to shift and filter into the culture. Hopefully it will get seen a little bit more. Uh, the other one that I wanted to mention, I have two more that I want to mention, Extraordinary, which I don't know if that got a wide release or if it's <laughs> yep. going to get a release or in the United States or what, but it, like I, I said this, I said this on the podcast and I said it in my review, this is a movie made specifically for me and I loved it and it's so funny and it deserves to be seen. Again, I can definitely see this popping up on Shutter at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And then, The third one was uh, the other film that Martin Scorsese made this year, which is Rolling Thunder Review, uh, the Bob Dylan documentary, which is such an interesting film and in a lot of ways a companion piece almost to The Irishman in that it it deals with some of those those concepts about looking back on, um, on your life and it has Dylan looking back on some of this and also just the way that film and music can manipulate things and change history and alter history because there there are some lies in the film and it's interesting to see where the reality ends and the the uh, the lies with the cinematic representations begin and so I, I hope that people who have watched The Irishman who maybe didn't realize that Scorsese had released this film this year to go and actually watch Rolling Thunder Review because it really is one of his best documentaries uh, across the board like definitely the best since The Last Waltz so those are just Hi. a few cool uh, let's go to Kim how about you oh I'm gonna have to echo Lauren and say The Kitchen definitely I Watching that through, I had absolutely no idea why. That's one that still truly stumps me where that negative criticism is coming from. I 
I enjoyed it, enjoyed all the performances, the storytelling, the look. I just give, if you haven't given that movie another shot, or if you haven't given that movie a shot, just please do it. Um, I don't know if my picks are going to be particularly groundbreaking. Um, Booksmart, I think most of us can agree Booksmart should have done better yeah. than it did and should have gotten a lot more mm-hmm. love than it did. I mean, speaking as a high school, you know, as a girl in high school who didn't party and who studied, that ticked a lot of boxes for my high school experience. And I completely, Beanie Feldstein in that, I just got that fully and completely. Um, another, and I don't know how the reaction went. I I loved Motherless Brooklyn, like, com- completely. I... I thought that was just a gorgeous movie all the way around. And I was really disappointed to see that be such a blip. I was, I loved that one. Um, And then I'm going to put this, it's getting a bigger release, but I'm still going to say it because I don't trust people go out and see it. And it hasn't came out yet, but 1917 has been one of, it's so, it's, it's amazing. It's the it's the most beautiful film I've ever seen. It's really it's number one on my list so far. So, World War One tends to not be a popular topic because we all know, you know, they shall not grow old was such a blip at the beginning of this year too, and that's something else more people should have seen. World War One is such a complicated and such a hard topic, but please, please, please go out and see 1917. It's gorgeous. Mhm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, Kristen. Yeah, so um, I'm going to show for the two best worst movies of the year, which are Serenity and Ma. They are hilarious, (laughs) and they make not a lick of sense, and I can't believe that they existed, and let alone got A-list Academy Award-winning actors in them. But you should go see them if you (laughs) need to waste 90 minutes of your life with some of the most insane shit to ever come down the pike um so i got a show for those um uh riru so young's the sun is also a star uh with the ya adaptation with yara shahidi that came out this year is a movie that i a it's beautifully filmed and it's such a sweet teen film that did no business when it came out so uh i'd say definitely make some time for that if you can and i know i have uh one more and i'm trying to like furiously search through my oh um i also say uh it's i think it came out this week um so if you have a chance to see it two really good horror movies very very different uh a sophia to call and april wolf's black christmas i do not care what people say about how it doesn't adhere to the 1976 version who gives a shit it is awesome and you should go see it um, as well as uh, Adam Egypt Mortimer's Daniel Isn't Real with my favorite soft boy, Miles Robbins. Um, it's a very weird-ass uh, horror movie um, that you should definitely, if you're into, like, bizarre imaginary friend movies from hell, um, you should go watch it. So there is a lot of, like, small little things that just did not uh, do business that I really enjoyed this year. So those are those are my picks. Cool. Uh, I wanted to co-sign with Lauren on Extraordinary, and I checked, and it has not been released. I thought it was hitting streaming this month, but I don't see that yet. So I'm not sure when that's going to be available, but definitely look for it. 
Um, I also wanted to say Loose, which is one that I had missed at Sundance and people were talking about it everywhere. And it's with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Octavia Spencer and Naomi Watts. And uh, it's about this kid who is like the most popular kid in school. He's a star athlete. He's getting great grades and he's adopted from Africa. And he's one of the kids that had been, you know, conscripted into terrible service as a, as a child, but they were able to save him from that. And so, uh, so he's been, you know, seemingly perfectly adjusted to American life as a teenager, but um, he turns in an assignment in his history class that, the teacher starts to get really concerned about. And it's interesting because the way that it's done, it's, it's a drama, but it's, it's really plays out like a thriller because you don't know, is this teacher being paranoid? Is she being, is she just like, does she just have it out for this kid for no reason? Uh, what's her deal? Is any of this really happening? Like, is this something that we should be concerned about or not? And it's, it's really interesting the way that it's done and great performances. So um, check that out if you get a chance. Um, also, Teen Spirit with Elle Fanning, yes. which Kristen and I saw that at Sundance. It's available on Hulu, so you should watch it. Um, it's it's sort of a, a American Idol type of, of story, but it's a very dramatic one. So it's this girl who she dreams of being a singer. She's really talented. And she gets into this contest and um, but she's one of those kids that has everything working against her, including being extremely shy. And she's an immigrant and and uh, it just it has a lot of very interesting things to say. And Max Minghella is uh, if we see more films like this from him, I think he's going to be a very promising uh, director. And then I also wanted to mention um, Paddleton, which is on Netflix, and it's Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. And it's a movie that I was not expecting anything from, but it it really, I loved it. Mark Duplass plays this guy, they're neighbors, and they're best friends just kind of by proximity. They don't have anyone else to hang out with. And so they've just been friends for years. And then Mark Duplass's character is diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so it's the two of them trying to deal with that pending loss and it's actually a really a really beautiful story about non-toxic men and and non-toxic male friendship and I really appreciated that that came out at the beginning of the year too and it's on Netflix and then the last one I wanted to mention is fighting with my family which I don't know why more people didn't see this movie they're very true that was such a sweet one I did enjoy that so good and it's like I don't know how a movie with, you know, from the wrestling federation people and with the rock in it didn't do better, but um, probably because it was about a girl and not about the boys, but uh, Florence Pugh is really good. It's a based on true story about this female wrestler who, uh, you know, she had kind of this rough upbringing and, and she didn't make a lot of friends when she made her way into professional wrestling, but she became a huge star. And so it's about her Florence Pugh's in it. And um, yeah, it was a good movie and it was, it's funny. It's directed by Stephen Merchant who also uh, has a small role in it. And Lena Headey is in it. Um, who else? I can't even think now, but, but yeah, that's a good one too. Funny and sweet and, and just delightful. So, yeah. All right. Any others anybody wants to throw out? 
really quickly before we move on? Well, I know we want to keep it positive, but there is one other question that we got. And um, that's okay. We'll do this one and then we'll kind of lead into one more thing and then we'll wrap it up. But um, we got a question from at Gamecock Mitch. How about you do the suckies and tell us your top three, if you can keep it to that number, worst men of the past 100 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, I mean, it doesn't get any worse than Harvey. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's unanimous. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Lauren. There's so many of them. <laughs> that's the thing. You talk about Harvey Weinstein, it's just like, oh, God, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, you know, throwback. I think that was what, our, our second or third episode when all of that stuff Fourth. Broke? Yeah, it was fourth. our fourth episode. So the first episode we did was when the Devin Farachi stuff happened. And then the week two was like Harry Knowles and. Some other people, I don't remember who it was in week three, and then bam, week four, Harvey Weinstein. And, and I mean, it, it, we could not have timed the launch of this podcast any more perfect. I don't want to say perfectly because we, our intention was never to make this about talking about garbage men, but that's just how it worked out. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially I mean, I- when you see like, like you know, they've we've had all these conversations about canceling people, and and it's like some of them are so like episode four that was two years over two years ago now, and Harvey Weinstein is getting to come back to clubs and and mm-hmm. uh, and getting you know, away getting with getting it to pretty much scot free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean he does go to trial next month, and we'll definitely be watching that to see what happens. But but then you had like. I mean, the whole Devin Farachi thing with our very first episode and how it's like he keeps trying to peek his head back in and he keeps getting trounced out, thankfully. But, you know, it's these guys don't ever really go away. Well, the, the Farachi stuff, I mean, he was one of the ones that I was going to say is one of the worst, not necessarily because in terms of what he did was not the worst, right? Mm-hmm. But also the fact that we even have a spectrum is very, very disturbing. But Farachi is so obnoxious because I think he gets at the heart of kind of the the rot that is in a lot of film criticism and that we pay attention to because that's one of the things that we do. Um, and having someone like Farachi continue to be followed by and paid attention to a lot of high profile people and defended by a lot of high profile people. You know, I, I, I flashed back to um, you know, all of the fantastic best stuff, all of the stuff that went down in the way that every that male editors and female ones and female writers were, were saying like, okay, we're going to do better. We're going to improve things. Things are going to get better. And nothing has really changed. You know, Farachi is still out there. Farachi is still trying to come back. Um, Knowles is just still hanging around. I don't even know who the fuck he like pays attention to him, but apparently they do. And it's very, very disheartening to see that. So I think that those guys definitely, you know, I, I, I do want to say, fuck you, if you're still if you're still paying attention to these guys, if you're still giving them cred, if you're still giving them attention um, as like serious film critics in any sense, you know, you're, you're not an ally. You can't be. And there is no excuse for it in my mind. You know, I'm going to throw out one that still kind of stings for me, Chris Hardwick. Yeah, that. Yeah. That was that was a big one for me, and if only that I paid attention to him a lot. And now I have not been able to, you know, it, not listening to any of those pants. I just can't 
do it anymore. That has that that hurt to an extent, and that's that was a big one for me this year. I think yeah. that was this it's year. interesting. Yeah, um, it was it was last year, end of end um, of last year, something like that, 2018. But it was the middle of last year. Yeah, it was like because I had interviewed him and for like NBC's summer lineup or something, and then it was like the day that my interview was supposed to come out is when we found out all the stuff. And I I contacted my editor. I was like, Yeah, can you can we pull that? I don't want that up there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I was at Comic-Con this past summer, and because he skipped Comic-Con last year because of it, and they replaced him with, I think, Yvette Nicole Brown. And so then this year he came back, and he did the Walking Dead panel. And it was interesting, because I was just like, is this because I I see who he really is now, or is something different? Like, his panel just didn't have the same vibe. It felt very odd. There was just this Definitely. really weird, just like cloud over it. And I don't know if that was just me or if he really is just different now that all this is out there. I'm not sure. But yeah, that really sucked. Kristen, do you have any that you'd like to uh, add? I think we, we said all of mine. So, I mean, I, there's so many. So I, I, maybe Woody Allen, just because people keep bringing him up in <laughs> unsolicited interviews. But yeah. all the old offenders are still here. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, and on those lines, too, I just want to say as well, like journalists that suck at their jobs and keep asking people questions that have nothing to do with what they should be talking about. And um, not that any of that's new, not newsworthy, but, you know, it just it feels like everything is just about trying to get sound bites. Everything's trying about trying to be about getting quotes like it just feels they're, like they're trying the, to go viral and it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole purpose behind this work is, is getting lost and it sucks. And then also the, all the toxic fans that just keep rearing their heads and being ugly and terrible. It's yeah. We've, we've just have seen it so much in the last, in the last hundred episodes. And in fact, it's funny because I didn't even I haven't checked the um, reviews for our podcast in forever. And Kristen and I were talking one day and she said, oh, did you know that you have another iTunes review or Apple podcast review? And she read it to me and I was like, what's the date on that? And it was the week that my Joker review hit our website. Someone went oh, to Apple podcast and wrote a negative review about our podcast. Mm hmm. Really? And specifically called me out. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but specifically called me out as like not being a deep thinker or something like that. And oh my yeah, god. Yeah. I know. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Oh <laughs> so, my yeah, god. There's just so much of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to <laughs> I forgot Karen. to tell you, you about that, Lauren. <laughs> I completely, you know, I didn't realize that because I, I generally didn't pay attention, don't pay attention to this. But yeah, uh, that's, that's, that is kind of funny though. You got to them. Like you. Yep. I don't want to use the word triggered, um, but you really, really affected some of those whiny little boys. It was really amazing. And what's interesting about that, I don't want to turn this into like all about me, but what's interesting is um, on my other podcast that I do a review show, The Watch and Talk, um, I actually read some of the comments when we did our Joker episode I read some of the comments that I had gotten on my review and 
I think that I, it was a good thing I did that because it was really eye-opening for the guys that I podcast with because they they don't get that kind of hate and they never see that kind of they know that it exists but it's never been leveled at them and so like Dylan Shuck the the main guy that runs it he was totally shocked that 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 happened and I think it was really uh, an educational moment for them to understand why sometimes I'm reluctant to talk about things and why it's hard sometimes really hard to be a woman with an opinion because this kind of thing happens. Like we all know people who have been tracked down and have had, uh, you know, their addresses published or personal lives published online just because people are mad and anybody can do that. And it's terrifying. Someone could show up at my house and, you know, just because they're mad about something that I said online. And, and it's a really terrifying world that we live in. But you know what? It's not going to shut me up. I'm I'm still going to be here. See, I did not review the Joker for that exact reason. The most vitriol I, I have gotten was over DC films. And I did not go near that one. Yeah. I almost didn't. But I'm in the end, I'm glad that I did. Anyway, so... Basically, our top three are Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, Chris Hardwick, and all the men on the internet that are stupid. <laughs> that, that makes that work. So I'll go with that. Yeah, just like and all the men on the internet. Except, except who? Bob and accounting. It. <laughs> Bob and accounting is great. Bob marketing sucks though. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> all right. Well, is there any? Are there any positive people you'd like to shout out as we're wrapping things up? It doesn't have to be men. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I will say, we've so we've done 100 episodes of this podcast. We've had some great responses also. We've had a lot of people both publicly and online and privately. We've had great private messages, emails, comments, etc. From a lot of people, male and female, um, who have been really happy about what we're doing, what we're saying, the fact that there are female voices out there, the fact that, you know, we kind of haven't shied away from talking about a lot of these things of actually calling people out and saying that this, this stuff is not okay. And we actually need to have a public conversation about it. Um, so, you know, for every whiny fanboy who are very, it's very easy to get distracted by them and very easy to kind of begin to feel bad about what you do because of them. Um, but for every one of those guys, there are two or three or four other people who just come out and say like, this is great. We're really glad that you guys are doing this. Um, you know, we've had a lot of ebb and flow over the past year and things have changed, but it's we've had a lot of appreciation for um, for this podcast and for the website and for all of the different things that we've done online and, and in person. So I, I want to thank all of those people who have been awesome about this because you, you guys are cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Kristen, Kim? I mean, there's the the followers who have, you know, I mean, Kenny, you know, we love you, Daniel, those, all, all those guys on Twitter and social media who follow, who keep, you know, who are just some of the nicest, best people I know I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. I would never have met them if I hadn't started through this podcast. So, you know who you are out there. We love you and we appreciate you. Yeah. Um, I think, I think most of what I'd say has already been said, so. <laughs> okay, well, I just want to say that, you know, this is this podcast exists because um, 
because Kristen and I were in an environment where we were always the the lone female voice and uh you know this is something that we had talked about doing for a long time we had tried to do it on a on uh another platform and didn't work out there and I'm just so glad that Citizen Dame exists and I'm glad that that Kristen was able to get you two Kim and Lauren together and and to bring you in and and that the four of us have done this and um, even though, you know, Kristen and Kim, even though you've both moved on, I think that it's just been such a great opportunity for all four of us. But also, like like you guys have pointed out, for all the, the listeners and the friends that we've made through this. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because I don't know if I ever would have met either of you, Kim or Lauren, if it hadn't been for Citizen Dame. It's a big circle And I'm circle so glad that there. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've learned I've learned so much from you guys. By being part of this. And I'm really grateful for that. Same. Same. Yeah. I can't, can't. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. All right. Well, this was our 100th episode, you guys. That's so How awesome. And so much talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So we just want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'd love to continue the conversation, of course. You can find us. Uh, all sorts of ways, you know, of course, whatever ways that you access podcasts. Um, And we would love for you to leave us a review that is not Karen sucks because she doesn't like my favorite movie. Um, But if that's your feeling too, fine. Uh, (laughs) But you can also just reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at citizen Dame pod, facebook.com slash citizen Dame. Occasionally we check that. Uh, we do have our website where you can find all sorts of reviews of movies like Joker, but also movies that we love like Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and that is citizendamepod.com. If you'd like to help us, uh, keep the lights on, we have a couple different ways that you can do that. You can sign up to be one of our patrons at patreon.com slash citizendame. And we have some bonus content. You get the episodes a little bit early. Um, and it really helps us out. We also have merchandise available at our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame. And I think Lauren recently put up some new buttons, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, all sorts of fun little things. <laughs> yes, so check that out. And, of course, we also have our Ko-Fi account if you just want to kick us a dollar or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. And we would love for you to reach out to us individually. Kristen, where are you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at journeys underscore film, or if you want to hear me talk about classic cinema, I do the Ticklish Business Podcast, which is at ticklishbusiness.podbean.com or wherever you get podcasts. And Kim? I'm at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at kpeer624, and I'm on YouTube at Female Gaze Productions. Awesome. And Lauren? I am at LH Business on Twitter and Instagram. And I am on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. Thank you so much, Kim and Kristen. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us for our 100th episode. Thanks for having us. It's been great to have you guys. No, thank you. you. That's going to close us out. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, uh, I'm here about the receptionist job. Hi. 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 Is this a big old robot? What? The receptionist job um, that was in the paper. You're hired. (laughs) Okay, I got you're all sweaty. I think I got it. There, if there's something strange, and then it, oh, 